Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Big um, announcement tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have new Raiders defensive tackle Solomon Thomas on the show. Uh, I think it's going to start off the show at 4 o'clock. So uh, I'm breaking news even to my producer, Devon Cotton, right now. Uh, but Solomon Thomas got a lot of important things to talk about. and We'll get into that uh, tomorrow. He's doing some really uh, uh, good things for mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, important stuff. We talk about the fun stuff. Uh, in football, but we all know that there's a, uh, a bigger picture out there, and Solomon Thomas is doing uh, his part for that. We will also get into uh, where he fits into this whole Raiders picture. I know he's pumped up and excited uh, about getting here in Las Vegas and, and really getting to work and, and uh, making his mark. Uh, there's still a ton of potential uh, with Solomon Thomas. You go watch the tape of Solomon Thomas, even in some of his highlights with the 49ers and certainly uh, in college at Stanford. This dude was a t- just there's dominating plays that you will see, like just footage where you'll be going, oh, my gosh, like literally, literally. That's why he was the third pick overall uh, in the it was it the 2018 draft. So um, uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, looking forward to talking to him tomorrow. The Raiders also made it official. We haven't talked about this. Uh, they just signed Nate Hobbs, the fifth round draft pick. Uh, from the University of Illinois. Earlier today, uh, they signed uh, Tyree Gillespie, the safety from Missouri, and Jimmy Morrissey. I love that name, Jimmy Morrissey, the center, seventh-round center from uh, Michigan. I expect all three to make the team uh, this year. And uh, while I think Morrissey is more on the uh, development uh, track, all three really are. Um, But, you know, there's definitely a scenario where a Gillespie and a Hobbs uh, get on the field at safety and uh, and cornerback, respectively. So uh, all three uh, rookies are now in the, the, officially in the Raiders' fold. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Maui Raider wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Maui? Oh, looks like uh, Maui Raider uh, is uh, had to hang up and uh, maybe go take a swim in the beautiful Pacific Ocean uh, in in Maui. Uh, but all right, Demond. So I, I saw your uh, I saw the the you know what you sent me from. Um, from J.C. Treader. I'm still not buying it. Uh, none of what he said in this, uh, the players' side. First of all, for him to say that the players spoke loud and clear. No, the players are speaking loud and clear right now. I don't care what they voted um, anonymously uh, during that vote for, um, or, or what, uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't anonymously. I can't say that for sure. But I don't care what they voted in the vote with their teams uh, to boycott the OTAs. They're not boycotting OTAs. The vast majority of them are. And here's where I do side with J.C. Treader. It's completely voluntary. It's absolutely voluntary. If you feel secure in your position, if you feel like you don't need it, pick up the phone and call your head coach and say, Coach, uh, I'm good on my own, and so I'm not going to be there. And just voluntarily back out. You have that right. Nobody's saying you don't. Uh, but <laughs> I, I have to laugh a little bit. I don't know. Maybe this is our society is going so soft that. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Grandpa. We're all just too oh. soft these days. Well, I think that there's. I think there is a soft element when the 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 um, 
if the team says, okay, well, we're going to find somebody else or we're going to have, you know, um, you're, if, if, if he's like, if he's good enough, he could pull that off. Absolutely. And, and players do, and I'm cool with that, but don't be shocked or, Oh my gosh, those naughty teams. If they feel like, you know what, you're really not that good. Uh, sorry, but we feel like we could do better anyway. And we're going to get somebody in here that, that wants to be in here and, and is better than you and, no guarantees that you're going to have a job. Okay, that's real life. And, and I don't understand why anybody should feel bad that a team would do that. If they feel like there's a better option, and that's it. That's the, voluntary is voluntary, but there's nothing that says that they can't, you know, if, if, if they feel like there's a better option, that they can move on from you. So if you're good and you're in a position of strength, like a – you know, an Aaron Donald a couple of years ago, or or name the guy that any player that that uh, that didn't do the voluntary workouts, but showed up and and got the job done, and and the team that was their best option. That's great, but not everybody's in that position, and you can't expect the NFL to just or teams to to not look for better options. That's just the way the real real world works. But my bigger point is most players understand it's important to be in there for a lot of different reasons. It, they're trying to win football games. Look at the Raiders. They haven't been to the playoffs in 20-something years. It's a young team that understands that we are right there on the cusp. If we could just kind of, you know, and collectively a bunch of those players are saying, I want to be in there. I want to be in the building. Okay, it was voluntary. I could have not been here if I didn't want to. I get it. It's voluntarily. My union is making that very, very clear. And, in fact... They're urging me to boycott it. They're not saying, hey, t- hey, look, we're all, you know, this is a voluntary, so just remember the voluntary thing. No, that's not what the union told the players. They told the players, vote to boycott. That's what we're trying to do here. That's not voluntary. Like yeah, that you could have voluntarily not voted uh, or voted to, to participate or not to participate or whatever it was that their union was telling. I don't have a I'm not I don't feel good about JC Treader and the union telling guys what to do. That's the opposite of protection, especially when what they're telling them to do for a vast majority of the players that are trying to make their mark is detrimental to their career. Not very few people, players are in any sort of a position where they can kind of call the shots. You know what I'm saying? For themselves. It doesn't work like that. Even in the NBA, I mean, you have your star, star players, and, and those guys make a lot of money, but go look at the other salaries of a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys on one-year contracts. Look at the Lakers. How many guys outside of Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, and um, LeBron are on big, huge contracts? Not very many. Go look and see how many of them are playing on one-year deals trying to you know, do, put their best foot forward to go find another opportunity somewhere. The higher, higher ups get paid a lot of money in the NBA. But that doesn't mean everybody makes a lot of money in the NBA or everybody is, you know, has a contract that sets them up for the rest of their life. Um, it, it just isn't the case. There's a, a certain teams where they've got a collection of a look at the New Jersey Nets or the uh, New Jersey Nets, the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets right now. They've got a bunch of guys that are on um, big contracts. You know, and, and, and that's great. I love to see that. But the NFL is different. It's 54 guys. And, not you know, there aren't, on any given team, 
there's a lot of interchangeable players. That's just the nature of this sport. There's a lot of players that are just good, solid players. They're not stars. They're not superstars. They kind of serve their function, you know, and that's great. They make a lot of money doing it. But most of them want to stick around for as long as possible, and they understand the importance of being in here at this time of year. And I don't I, – somewhere along the line, I think J.C. Treader just forgot that. And I'm calling cockamamie on what he's been saying, too. I, well, it's ratcheted it up. It's just – See, that's the, less, see, that's where I got to give you the pushback. Less, le, it's less than – Demond, I've been doing this for a long time. I saw where football was, you know, 15 years ago when it was – two-a-day practices in training camp, fully padded, and guys running into it. It's gotten easier and easier, and I'm good with that. But there's a point where, and football people told me this a while ago, like you're going to start seeing a deterioration in some play, and especially in some fundamentals, after not this past um, uh, agreement, but it was like the one before, maybe even the one before that, where, they, where there were some, some big-time changes, especially to the OTAs and stuff. Now, we all understood why they were trying to protect players, and that's even teams understood the importance of that. And so they did scale back in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different ways. But we've gotten to the point where it's pretty much as scaled back as you possibly can. There's nobody, there's no two and A's anymore. You have a walkthrough, which is literally a walkthrough in training camp, and a regular practice. It used to be two, sometimes three practices. Fully padded, guys blasting each other. There is none of that. Nobody tackles to the ground anymore, and I get it and I understand it. It's a good thing. But they've scaled back and scaled back and scaled back to where they are right now, and the NFL is like, okay, we've, we've – and it, uh, uh, concussions are down. They're starting to manage that. Thank goodness for that. But, like, he wants to take it even further, and I think that we're at a point right now where this is – this is a pretty good little sweet spot right here. So what he's saying, like, compared to, you know, just 10, 15 years ago, it just, it's not, it doesn't hold water. He just doesn't want to be out there right now at all. And he's urging other players. Do you think to this, so you think this, he just came up with this all on his own? He, J.C. Treader, is the lone one player who said, ah, man, I like the way last season went. He's the one just because he's the president of the Players Association. I feel like you're putting, he represents the union i don't think that he's just coming up and saying well i think this is just best for myself and i think everyone should follow what i think is best no, for me no, no no i think i think there's a i think there's an upper echelon uh, of guys yes of influential players yeah i don't think it's just jc treader but i mean tom brady came out and said we're we don't need whatever i'm like tom brady i'd love to see fifth round sixth round tom brady 21 years old talking to 43 year old tom brady right now and saying you don't need OTAs and stuff like that. You think that Tom Brady coming out as a fifth-round pick back in the day didn't need OTAs? Yes, he did. He knows that he did. Like, I even tweeted it back to him. I didn't expect any kind of a response, but I was like, dude, what would you tell 21-year-old Tom? What would 21-year-old Tom Brady tell 43-year-old Tom Brady? He'd tell him to take a hike. Like, speak for yourself, 43-year-old Tom Brady. There's no guarantees I get there if I don't take care of it right now and try to help my, you know, hone my career and get better. He's at a point now, Tom Brady, where he can do this blindfolded. And I get that, and I understand that. There are certain guys that don't need it, but teams need it. A lot of these young players need it. 
We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Maui Raider is back. How you doing, Maui Raider? Hey, man. How's it going, Scott? Doing good, I mean, brother. Scott, man. Had a brain, brain fees right there. Sorry about that. Oh, but, no worries, um, man. I just, I just want to respond to a little bit of Gangster Raider. I, I'm a black man. I'm living on Maui. And to bring race or color into his winning percentage against black coaches and white coaches, I, I know you love free speech and you like hearing everyone's insight, but I think you get the point in time where People like that just need to be 86, man. It, it just is it, no reason for it. They're not playing chess out there. There are humans involved with coaching staffs and continuity and a lot of factors that go in to make up a team and how good they're going to play. And putting a race on coaching is, is asinine. And I, I didn't, yeah, I, I, I was like, where, where are we going with that. this? I'm ashamed. You know? Yeah, I'm ashamed. So I know you, I know you've had your run ins with him and you, you do a good job of, of putting up with it, but at some point, I'm tired of hearing that guy on the radio because it's ridiculous. Hey, um, du- duly noted. Um, I, I was a little surprised he went there. It didn't. It, it, it to me, it's a moot point. Every game is different. Every year is different. To 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 even make it about that, it it, it kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit. So, um, but you know, I, I let him have his say, and I I didn't. I don't yeah. agree with. It. I just don't think that it's relevant. To be honest with you, yeah, zero relevance actually, zero percent relevance. But uh, anyway, I'm fired up about the season. I just got my my tickets. I paid a lot of money for them, unfortunately, but that that's part of the deal. Um, I'm down in club level on, on Monday Night Football against the Ravens, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And just uh, want to put some good vibes out there for Raider Nation and uh, take care. I just wanted to call in and say at some point that dude needs to just stop. <laughs> well, hey, brother, I really appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, you come by and say hi. Um, we're, we're, we're trying to get some things going uh, on the Sunday before that big Monday night game. So, uh, so uh, keep listening, and, um, and and we'll let everybody know about what the plans are. So, uh, so if you're in town, come join us. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I, I can't. There's not much more I can say about um, what Gangster Raider had to say. I, I just thought that that was irrelevant. It's just it's 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 irrelevant, and. Um, you know, do do certain coaches have other coaches' numbers? I, I I guess, but it's more to me. It usually comes down to who's got the best players and who's got the most talent. And, and the can I, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you just look at them; they're loaded, and they got the best quarterback in the on, in the universe, not just planet Earth, but the universe without question. Um, so they're going to have the advantage against every team that they play. Um, the, the Chiefs are, and as good as Andy Reid is, and he's a heck of a coach. But you saw what happened in the Super Bowl last year when he's missing two key players on the offensive line. They couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes. And, and it's hard for any quarterback to play when you're playing, running around all day, running for your life because there's no time to, to make the play, ha- play happen. And that's, you know, you, you talk to coaches, it's funny because, you know, they'll, they'll go into a game week, you know, and, and when they're realistic and truly understand what they have to work with and maybe what they don't have to work with, you know, everyone has all these grand plans and creative plays and stuff like that, but eventually it comes down to when you're meeting with your with your staff, Coach, this looks great, but we don't have the linemen that are going to be able to protect this long enough for this thing to work. Like, that's when you start taking plays out of the playbook. Like, yeah, we can't protect this. We can't. Pr- I was thinking about that when I was watching the Chiefs last year against the Buccaneers. I don't care how creative uh, Andy Reid, uh, you know, is and his staff is and they they are they're as creative as Eric Bieniemy and you read that whole offensive uh, staff they're as creative as any coaching staff in the NFL 
But it doesn't matter what you draw up if you can't protect it, if you can't block it. If you can block it, that's how you score a chameleon points like like the Chiefs do. When they had their starting, you know, uh, Fisher uh, and Schwartz as their starting tackles, and those guys were really good players. But you saw what happened when all of a sudden you take a couple players out of the of the operation, and the next thing you know, Andy Reid looks like an ordinary coach. And he's not an ordinary coach. He's an extraordinary coach, as is uh, Eric Bieniemy. But it just goes to show you, it the coaching can only go so far. You also have to have the quality of players, and um, and so you know when when the to me when the Raiders go play the Ravens, when the Raiders go play the Steelers, as good a coach, and I respect the heck out of uh, Tomlinson uh, in Pittsburgh. I I love John Harbaugh, and I you know there, there aren't many coaches that have, they're all good, right? But every one of them will tell tell you you need you need the players. Doc Rivers, I always Doc Rivers is one of the one of the I loved covering that dude. But he told a story about when he was with the Boston Celtics. And one year, he's got, he doesn't have the big three. He's got Paul Pierce, one really good player, and a bunch of, uh, you know, not so good players around him. And they weren't that good. I'll go look back when we come back. Well, if I have a second or two, hold on one second. I'll, I'll read off who he did have that one year, and they weren't that good. And the next year, he's got Ray Allen. He's got, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett. He's got Paul Pierce. And I'm going to get to this in a second. And he was like, look, man. And all of a sudden, they won an NBA championship. He's like, and he literally said, I'm calling the same plays that I was calling last year. It's just that this year, I'm calling them for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, and there were a bunch of other guys, good guys on that team, compared to <laughs> guys that aren't those those guys. So... Coaches are aware of at the at, at at some point in time. Obviously, it comes also down to good coaching plus who who we got on the team right now. Who, who's who's on the team right now? When Phil Jackson was coaching in the middle of the uh, going from Shaquille O'Neal to Co- to uh, the, going from Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant to Sha- to uh, Kobe and Pal Gasol. Let's not ever forget that there was a buffer period in there. You know, in fact, Phil left for a year. Rudy Tomtomovich takes over. We all saw what happened with that. Um, it's no more Shaq, and the Lakers stunk. Shocker. They didn't have the same amount of talent as they had those other years. Phil Jackson comes back. They're still not winning championships. They're getting bounced in the playoffs for a couple of years with Smush Parker and you know some other guys. And all of a sudden, they make this Kwame Brown. Did you see the Kwame Brown stuff? What's that? Yeah, well, Kwame well, did Brown. He, did you see the Kwame Brown stuff? Oh man, did, did he talk about uh, what did he did he say anything about um, Phil? Uh, he didn't say anything about Phil, but he, he was more of like attacking like um, the all the smoke podcast, you know, people. But like some of the points that he was making, the funniest part was like people want to say that oh Kobe scored eighty two, Kobe scored 82, 81 points, and we scored eighty two together. You know, clowning him obviously. But he's like, don't you want to see Kobe shoot the ball? Isn't that what you paid to see? Are you not entertained <laughs> by the screens I was setting? And That's it was right. it, it was so funny, like just like that that rationale, I, I, just I lo- like I, like I was setting Kobe. those screens. You should be happy. That's right. Kobe doesn't get those shots if I don't set those screens. And it's just like, man, that is that is a take. He, but it's like he is making a point, I guess. 
He, I heard that he that he had something to say about Gilbert Arenas, or was talking about Gilbert as well. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. He was, it, that was more of just like that was just more of like um, personal beef trash. But the actual basketball like trash talk that he had was just like, I don't really think I don't think you're doing what you think you're doing here. <laughs> I um, I covered Gilbert in high school. He was to this day the best high school basketball player I ever covered. Saw with my own two eyes. There's been plenty of others that were obviously better than he was. I didn't see LeBron play live. Um, so, so Gilbert played at, I got to tell this quick story. Gilbert played at Grant High School in Van Nuys, which is just kind of a gritty area. It's not a basketball powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, if Gilbert Arenas was playing now in high school, there's no way he stays at Grant High School in Van Nuys. He goes to one of the Harvard Westlake or one of the you know, private schools or one of the basketball powerhouses. It was just a little bit different in 1998 and 1999. Um, so anyway, uh, I, 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 you know, covering him, got to know him really well. And we would have long talks sometimes. Like, you know, um, and, and, and I, I remember telling him, I go, Gilbert, and this is, I had worked for the Lakers previously. Now I'm, now I'm uh, you know, uh, writing for a newspaper now. And he used to call, his team wasn't good. It was just Gilbert and a bunch of other dudes, right, that weren't really that good. So sometimes we would talk, like after games, or sometimes he'd just call me up or whatever, and, and I would tell him, I go, I'm telling you right now, you're an NBA player, okay? And the higher level you go up, those, those passes that are literally bouncing off guys' ears right now are going to get caught at the next level. And then at the next level after that, you'll find out. So don't be down. Just, it's, it's fine. You're just not on a very good team, and that's why you're not winning, blah, blah, blah. He was just destroying people, no matter who he played against, whatever the level of talent was he was killing people but he couldn't do it by on his own so you know hey thanks a lot blah, blah, blah. he goes to the university of arizona right and um he, I, and i knew that he was going to do well and he did he helped lead them to the uh to the uh, nca championship game as a sophomore but his freshman year you know he's making that transition from high school to college and um there's always a little bit of a struggle early on so uh in doing my job, I call up to the University of Arizona and say, hey, this is Vinny Bonsignor, Los Angeles Daily News. Uh, I want to do a story on, on Gilbert. Um, if you could have him, give me a call. And, and so the, I'm talking to their, what they call a sports information director, the PR guy for the, for the school. And the guy says, um, well, Gilbert's not, Gilbert's not talking to the media right now. This is his freshman year, right? Gilbert's not talking to the media right now. I'm like, wait, what did you just say? He's like, Gilbert's not talking to the media right now. I go, why? He's like, I don't know, you know, he's, he's just, you know, frustrated with them. So I told him, I go, look, just tell Gilbert that Vinny Bonsignor from the uh, LA Daily News wants to talk to him. Have him give me a call. It's like, look, he's not talking to the media. I'll, I'll pass it along, but, you know, I'm just telling you that he's not talking to the media. 20 minutes later, I get a call. He's like, I don't know exactly who you are, but Gilbert says he'll call you right after practice. So I'm like, okay, you know, and... Sure enough, he calls me after practice. I go, first of all, before we get, why aren't you talking to the media right now? And he's like, man, you know, they're at, they ask like the dumbest questions and blah, 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 blah. Like, he's like, look, I, I went 0 for 7 to start a game. And they're asking me, why'd you go 0 for 7? And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I missed my first seven. I go, look, man. I go, as a member of the media, I'm just going to tell you that sometimes you're going to get dumb questions. It's, that's just the way it is. The last thing you want to do is not talk to the media. Just talk to them, give them their answers, whether they're really smart questions or they're really dumb questions. Get it over with, and, and, and you're done. He's like, all right. So he ended up starting to talk to the media. And then he goes off, and then he takes them to the, uh, to the, um, uh, 
championship game against Duke. He got hurt in the semifinals game. And so he, bar- he played, but he was like 50% in that championship game. And the kicker of that whole story is it's draft night. And he thinks that he's going in the first round. He should have gone in the first round, obviously. It's draft night. His dad, um, Gilbert Sr., has this big party for him at the Sportsman Lodge uh, in, in Sherman Oaks, California. It's a big party. First round comes and goes, and Gilbert doesn't get drafted in the first round. He thinks he's going in the first round. He had you know, bought some jewelry, da-da-da. His agent had fronted him some money. And he takes all the jewelry off and says, I'm, I'm just throwing this out. You know, why? You know, he's like, look, I obviously... Jewelry is just for first-round players. I'm not a first-round player, so I don't deserve it. He goes, but I'm, gonna tell, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to make everybody pay for not, for, for, first of all, lying to me, saying that I was, they were going to pick me, and then not picking me. And sure enough, you see what, what Gilbert Arenas, until he got hurt, that dude was one of the most lethal basketball players in the world. So I, I can't wait to hear what Kwame Brown has to say. Is it beef that he has with Gilbert, or... or Fun oh stuff. yeah, this is a lot. Like ninety percent of this is not safe for work. I mean, it would be nothing but bleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I actually pull the cl- the clips for you, yeah. Kwame played a big role uh, in Laker lore because he got traded. He was in the um, Pal Gasol trade. Of course, man. I mean, like that Stephen A. clip is you know is legendary. You know, he's got small hands. He's got quick feet, but you know can't memorize a post move. Oh man, that's that that's an all time that's an oh, all time Stephen A. Yeah. movement there. I felt bad. Kwame wasn't the only issue with Kwame was that he was the first pick by Michael Jordan, by the way, and he just wasn't out of high school, and he just wasn't that player. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, for for him. But you know who else was in the Paul Gasol trade? Marcus Hall. Yeah, exactly. And so everyone understands this because everyone thinks that Jerry West was still working for the Memphis Grizzlies and, and hooked the Lakers up. He wasn't with the Grizzlies anymore. He had left. There was no way, and he will tell you this, that he was going to try to help the Lakers by sending them Pal Gasol. No way ever he would have done that. So it's just a uh, it's a misrepresentative, misrepresentative of what actually happened. The Lakers fleeced. The Memphis Grizzlies. By the oh yeah, that's right. You're <laughs> no, they guy. did not. Marcus Saul is a legend in Memphis. How dare oh, you? Yeah, yeah. It, grit and grind and it, was a backbone of grit and grind. We got to go it, to break. Oh, don't you? The Lakers. The, the Lakers did not fleece the Grizzlies on anything. The brother for brother trade was good enough in itself. Oh, oh, Pal Gasol's okay. best at days time, of beating that team. Time. The rebuild needed to happen. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I agree. But Pal Gasol was else. good in the pyramid, but he wasn't leading the Grizzlies to the conference finals like Marcus Saul did in the form. Three Don't get me going. Straight NBA championships. How far did? What did do you mean three straight? Three straight, straight. Three straight. What? It was two. Three straight. Three, three straight appearances of the NBA Finals. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Okay, right. and one right. Western You're in the Conference huddle Championship. With Vinny and uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, and I love Mark Gasol. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Demond Cotton trying to make it sound like I don't like Marcus. I love Marcus. I love the, when the Lakers drafted Marcus. 
And people ripped that draft pick because at the time he was a bad-bodied, you know, needed to work on the body, and there's no question about it, um, playing in in Spain. But by the way, and I know DeMond knows this, DeMond, where did Mark Gasol become? Wasn't he at Parade All-America? Where? What high school did he go to? All right, you got me there. I don't know which high school he went to in Memphis, but he did go to high school in Memphis. That's right. He went to like a small private school. Because when Powell moved out to Memphis from Spain, he brought his little brother with him. I I don't even know if he brought his whole family with him. Uh, His mom and dad were doctors back in Spain, so I would imagine they stayed home in Spain. But he he hooked little brother up, and little brother was one heck of a high school player. Then he went back to, to Spain to play for Real Madrid, I believe, and that's where the Lakers drafted him in the second round. He never gets to the Lakers because they stashed him uh, in, in Europe for one more year. But then the, the Grizzlies, shrewdly enough, said, okay, we'll take Kwame Brown. There was a guy by, by the name of uh, Javaris Crittenton, who I think is in jail right now for murder. Um, oh, take it easy. Remember I, I Yeah, I remember him. But take it easy. The dude, the dude killed somebody. Why am I? I have no sympathy for Javaris. Well, it's not sympathy for him, but hey, you're bringing us down, man. Let's uh, anything else? No, it was very (laughs) unique. He was a first round pick by the Lakers. Ends up, he was also in the Gilbert Arenas situation. I know (laughs) the writing was on the wall. Dude was a dude was a class A knucklehead. (laughs) Trust me, I I heard all that story. Gilbert told me what, what happened with that. And now he got thrown under the bus. But anyway, um, yeah, so that was a – and Kwame Brown. So that was an interesting trade, and the Lakers never looked back after getting Gasol. Uh, it was a great, great trade. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listen line. D is in Portland, wants to talk about his favorite f- player from the draft and also the national media uh, concerning the Raiders. How you doing? Hey, Vinny. D, are you? Uh, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble trouble hearing you, brother. Can you hear me now? Is that better? I got you, brother. Okay, cool. Sorry, I'm walking by now. No worries, anyway. man. Yeah, Pooch needs to walk. You know that. Anyway, yes. uh, who is your favorite player, regardless of round? Just who do you think is really going to pop for the team? From the from uh, the Raiders draft. Yeah, the Raiders draft. I mean, you you, you you probably have to go with Moerig, right? Trevor uh, Moerig from uh, from TCU. I think uh, to me, and I wrote about this. He might be the most highly anticipated Raider defensive draft pick since Khalil Mack. Um, I just feel like there's like this excitement for for him from Raider Nation. You know, I know I know Clee uh, Clee was was a, the fourth pick overall, but I think he played more of a you know, I think everyone understood he's not going to be this fierce pass rusher. He's more of a, you know, uh, a, a solid bookend uh, kind of a player that, you know, you hope uh, uh, gets better as a, as a uh, as a pass rusher. But I think, but I think um, Trevon just brings a lot to the table. So he's my personal favorite. Uh, I like Koontz. I'm interested to see what 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 Koontz is all about. Malcolm Koontz uh, from 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 Buffalo. But uh, if I had to have two favorites, and I like Nate Hobbs too. Um, I just feel like he has a chip on his shoulder and is not satisfied whatsoever. He's he's ready to he's kind of like that Gilbert Arenas thing, you know. He's <laughs> keeping track of who was drafted ahead of him, and uh, you know might have something to say about uh, about all those guys before too long. All right, nice. 
So my other question is, uh, it's more something of an observation, but I love your take. So, you know, I'm a pretty much a realist. Uh, I think uh, the ceiling for the Raiders this year is somewhere around seven to eight wins. I think they're going to double-digit wins. Uh, and, you know, if you hit double digits with the 17-game season, you're going to make the playoffs. That said, every time I look at rankings, anything like that, they've got them on the, in the, somewhere in the mid to high 20s sometimes. And I don't know, I just scratched my head over it. The reason I'm bringing it up, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, one of the teams he wants to play for is Oakland. Same thing with Russell Wilson. It seems like there's a disconnect. So I don't know. Like, what do you hear? What do players know? Things like that. Um, I think they're, I, I honestly think they're getting it wrong. And maybe, and sometimes, I, I, I've learned this plenty of times in my career where the, the national media, and, and to no discredit of their own, but they, they're kind of flying around in helicopters a lot of times, kind of looking down on things. Uh, whereas, you know, when, 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 when you're there on a, on a day-to-day basis, you just have a little bit better feel for, for things. And I just feel like if you look at this offseason for the Raiders, they did a lot of things that made sense. They addressed issues. Whether that works out or not, obviously, is going to determine where they finish, right? But the way I judge an offseason is, did they fill holes? Did they get better? Where Did they address issues? That's why sometimes I would tune out the national media because they're not necessarily really paying attention to the nitty-gritty of it all. Uh, so, you know, they look at Kenyon Drake and why they, they've got Josh Jacobs. Well, okay, yeah. But Josh Jacobs hasn't been able to get through one season yet fully healthy. It's been an issue for him down the stretch. And the Raiders, understanding that there's a 17th game, understanding that they want to be more, even more explosive at running back and get guys, their best player, one of their best players through the season, feel like spending some money on a very, very, very good backup running back who's going to be sharing a lot of their duties with, with uh, Josh Jacobs makes a lot of sense. To those of us covering the team, if you throw out the money because it's not our money, I don't care how much the guy's making, to be honest with you. It didn't prevent him from making any other moves. But if you're covering him on a day-to-day basis, that made a lot of sense. If you look at what, the, what they did along the defensive line, they go and get one of the best pass rushers in the game in Yannick Ngakwe, who's just himself going to change the dynamic of that defensive line. Um, but then they also made a bunch of moves to, to add depth and versatility um, and, and create some sort of a rotation or a better rotation. From the outside looking in, oh, Quinton Jefferson, oh, Solomon Thomas, oh, Darius Phylon, uh, re-signing David Irving. It might not mean a whole bunch if you're not covering the team on a daily basis, but if you, if you are and you saw what happened on a day-to-day play-by-play basis last year where the defensive line just wasn't able to you know, hold up its end of the bargain, bringing in a bunch of different players to address that need, and, and I think what the Raiders are hoping for is what they're, they're going to be able to attack that issue in numbers. They're, they're going to be able to find the right combination just because they've brought in so many players that they can address it with. Not everyone's going to make a big mark, but their hope is – that by bringing in a bunch of different guys, they're going to be able to find the proper combination. So that made sense. Obviously, they needed a free safety. They go draft Trevon Morg. That made sense. Um, so I look at that. I look at the team, and I'm like, there's a chance for this team just to be better. And if they are, if they get even just a little bit better defensively, with what they did offensively last year, and there's every reason to think they're going to be just as good, maybe even better offensively this year. 
where I don't see how they take a step back from that. I think they're taking a step forward, but that's just my opinion. All right, me and you both. Yeah. Hey, could I do one last thing? Yeah, uh, absolutely. For Demond, uh, have him at some point of the show. You got to have him play us out with uh, Prince. Uh, Take me with you. The drums oh. at the beginning of that song. You know what I mean? You know what I'm. Talking of course, about. of course. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good suggestion. Good suggestion. There was a, it was a solid call all around, and then you just you just nailed it at the end. You nailed the landing, man. You nailed the landing with that with Thank that you, uh, recommendation. You're I appreciate nailing it, it every day. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Enjoy Portland. Enjoy the dog walk. I know that's always a blast. Uh, and don't be a stranger. Give us a call back. Um, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mike is in Chicago, and he wants to talk about Raiders tickets. How you doing, Mike? I mean, I haven't been able to call um, for months, you know, and big ups to you for your professionalism and knowledge of the game. Uh, I called in a few times when you were on Lincoln because I was not a Trent Brown fan. Um, <laughs> Thank you, brother. Things. A few things. I I have a disdain for the media in terms of how they sort of get at the Raiders. I'm not sure if it's just me or do you notice that too? Uh, yeah. I, I go on with your question, and I'll 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 try to shed some light uh, a little bit on on. on no, that. I mean, but it was just like for okay, the right tackle they drafted. Okay, yes, this guy was from Alabama. Okay, a noted collegiate big time school and practices every week against another guy who probably is going to be a professional too. Not probably. <laughs> he will be. Yeah. Right, right, right. A bunch so of those guys. A bunch of those guys. Like, come on, man. Give me a break, man. It's just that's the first thing. Right. And it's another thing I wanted to talk about. One is your professionalism. Thank you very much. I've been listening. I appreciate that. I really do. Two, how the media gets at the Raiders. Three, I live in Chicago, obviously, and I started pricing tickets. It's a, and this is a concern of mine, Vinny. It's a bunch of Raiders fans that once you go on the website of Allegiant and you look at the prices of the tickets, it's like, what the? How am I going to do this? So for us who may not be able to come up with that loop for airfare, hotel fare, and, and to get into the game, are you guys going to help us look at anything we can do within that area to get into a and get, get into a, uh, a sports bar that will give us a, well, not the same experience, but at least we'll be in the area. So are you talking about like uh, coming in for the weekend? And, um, yeah, yeah and, I'm looking at, again, I live in Chicago, so I'm looking at that last game in January. Because it's always, the all, their last two games are always, it's something to play for. Right. They can suck, and it's still something to play for. Right, exactly. Um, okay, yeah, I, I definitely. And, for, and, and here's the thing. Um, this, is, this, is, this is from experience, okay? I think this is going to be it's, – it's the new shiny toy. Um, it's, the, it's really the first season in Las Vegas where fans are going to be allowed, obviously. Um, prices – people want to get into that building. Um, prices are going to reflect that right now, and especially th- at this very minute. We'll see what it looks like. Closer to, to game time, there's always it always kind of you know uh, balances out a little bit, and I think it's going to balance it out more you know in in, in the future too. Uh, this is just going to be one of those years where everybody wants to come out here. Every Raider fan, every fan of other teams that want to you know if their team is playing out here, it's going to drive the prices on that secondary market 
uh, up. And uh, and one right. thing I got to say because I think some people think that this is Raiders driven. The Raiders tickets start at like sixty five dollars. There's plenty of tickets if you bought tickets as a season ticket holder that were in that sixty five to one hundred and twenty five dollar range. What you're seeing now on the secondary market are those season ticket holders now selling their tickets to individual games at a at a really high uh, you know markup. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the Raiders. This is the secondary market, um, you know, reflecting the market that there is out there right now uh, for, for Raider tickets. But I suspect that in time, that'll level off. And from a, on a game-to-game basis, you're going to be able to find tickets at a fairly reasonable price, you know. Um, so, so just keep that in mind. But as far as this year, if you're not actually going to be able to get into the game, and that, that could be a challenge, there's no question about it, Yes, absolutely. We'll keep you guys informed. Like, and you, you know how to get a hold of me, uh, whether it's on Twitter or you can email me or call the show. Uh, yeah, I right. could I could help you out with plans and on where to go, some of the some of the more reasonable hotels, that type of thing. And sometimes what we're planning uh, for, for some of these home games, what we're trying to do is do some kind of a tailgate type party on a Saturday before the game, where any Raider fans that are coming from out of town and Raider fans, obviously that are that are here already where we could all kind of get together and hang out and meet each other and, and uh, have a cold one uh, and enjoy it. But yes, we will absolutely keep you guys informed uh, on a week to beat week basis, you know, where the big parties are and, and all that type of stuff. And I'm sure the Raiders are going to be doing um, their, their events as, as well. So, so that even if you can't actually get into the game, just enjoying the experience because there's plenty of great places here in Las Vegas to watch a sporting event, and I would, I imagine that that's going to be tenfold when it's the Raiders playing a big game over at Allegiant Stadium, and the sports bars in town are going to be playing it up, and it'll be a great atmosphere. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Thanks for the call from Chicago, by the way. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. That's right, Devon. It's not where you start. It's where you finish, right? Or at least uh, where, you, where, where, where you take it. But we were just exchanging uh, text, Devon Cotton, my great producer and I, uh, of Mark Gasol when he was in high school and Kevin uh, Love when he was in high school. And uh, neither... Now, Kevin Love was, he was top three players in the country uh, his high school year. He was that good, even though he didn't look like, you know, much uh, just body-wise uh, in high school uh, up in Oregon. Uh, then he goes to UCLA and they takes him to the NCAA. I want to say they made the, the the championship game his his uh, his freshman year. Um, and I want to I know they, they made the play- final four. Yeah, or is that the year they got beat by Florida in the in the semis? Uh, no, I think um, who they lose to UCLA was it Kansas or Mem- no? It was Memphis. They lost to Memphis because that was also Derrick Rose's freshman year. You know when Memphis <laughs> had that run? You remember that? Yeah, uh, did they win? Who? Memphis? Oh no, they got robbed. That's right. Um, free Kansas. Throws. Free throws. Uh, yeah, uh, Chambers, right? Um, Mario the, Chalmers, uh, who parlayed. A Chalmers. lucky three in the national championship game to ride in LeBron's coattails, but you know what can I say? That's true. That's true. Was uh, I want to say was Russell Westbrook on that team too? Yes, he was, and Darren Collison. 
and Darren Collison. There were yeah, that was a, that was a really good uh, UCLA team. And then and then not long after that was the Jordan Farmer. They went to the finals as well, or to the tournament as as, as well. So or the final four. Um, but yeah, Kevin Love was. You know, he was just, I could tell in high school, I mean, in, in, in college, he was really, he was just so fundamentally sound. And he didn't, body-wise, you knew that he had to, uh, he had to work on it. And he, uh, Kurt Rambis was really influential with him in that regard as his coach with the Memphis, with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, getting him back in shape. Like, if you look at Kevin Love now, you know, he's kind of like a model-looking sort of a dude. But if you go back to when he was in high school, a little bit different. And, uh, and Gasol... Um, was was the same way. It's just you know when when you get into the NBA and I tell this or into any professional sports, things change pretty quickly. If you care, you have to care about it. You can't just be satisfied. I tell this story all the time. When I was first, um, when LeBron James first came into the NBA, going into the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room before games, and he's like stuffing money uh, into the hand of uh, of one of the ball boys. Hey, go to the McDonald's up in the uh, up up there in Staples Center. Uh, in the food section, get me like some chicken McNuggets and some French fries. That's what he was eating before the game. Now, I mean, I'm not saying he's never going to eat at McDonald's again, but I doubt very seriously that he's doing that. You know, and I re- a story on Matt. Uh, Cameron. Yes, he will because he has the sponsorship with him. He got in trouble there a couple of years ago when he was like, "I'm not drinking Sprite," and then yeah. he comes out and he's like, "Oh, everybody knows that I love a I nice am. cold of Sprite." I am. But well, we'll put it this way: he's not doing it before the games anymore. <laughs> you know. And uh, I remember doing a story on Matt Kemp uh, at the time, a rookie outfielder for the, or he might have been in his second year, but I was doing a story about, you know, uh, eating habits and how nutrition and how important that is. And you got to understand, like when you're in the minor leagues and you're, you're not getting that, you know, big league money and you're not getting the big league per diem, you're just, and you're on buses and, you know, uh, it's just, it's just, obviously there's, there's a lot that's different and you're just trying to find the cheapest food that you could possibly find. So you're eating, doing a lot of the McDonald's, Taco Bell, you know, uh, quick bites here and there. When you get to the big leagues, maybe you carry that for a little while, but after a while you realize this isn't getting it done. And I remember talking to Matt Kemp and like, you know, early in his career and he was like, oh man, I eat everything. And he was naming all the, you know, uh, obvious places. And uh, maybe a year after that, two years later, I see him walking into the clubhouse before a game, and he's got all these little containers with him. And what was it? They were all his, you know, he had, through a nutritionist, figuring out when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat. And they were all in, like, nice little um, containers that you eat what's in that container and you move on. And then a little bit later on, you eat what's in the, you know. So he had completely changed uh, his habits. It looks for sure like Mark Gasol. Uh, got that message as did Kevin Love uh, at some point. So uh, really interested uh, when, when, when that happens. And that's what happens in the NFL. That's why these guys need to be in OTAs, Demond, those young players, learning what it's like to be a professional, getting their feet um, wet and making their mark. And I say that for not just rookies, but, you know, if you want to make the – if you're trying to get hit the big payday, you got to take advantage of every second that's available to you. Uh, that they give you. And don't listen to J.C. Treader, who's telling you you don't need it. He may not need it, and I get it. But if you're a young player in the NFL still trying to get there, don't let anybody put some stupid little uh, roadblock uh, in front of you saying, hey, you don't, you, don't need it. you don't need this part of the air. Yeah, you do. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. I want to say thanks to all the great callers, even you, uh, Gangster Raider, you know that. Um, uh, 
we'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. Like I said, Solomon Thomas, uh, the new Raiders defensive tackle, will be on uh, talking about um, you know what he sees for himself with the Raiders, but also some other important real-life stuff. Uh, we'll get into that with Solomon tomorrow, uh, Thomas tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Uh, I want to say thank you to De- Devon Cotton uh, for doing the great job that he always does. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs>